So let's figure out your goal. Let's look back at that overall strategy, right? So what is your ultimate, ultimate goal? Everything, everything stems back to what is the big goal of your event. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black. Black. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this 82nd edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Today's show is sponsored by Milestone Mental Health Agency for all of your emotional telehealth needs, as well as a COO team assisting you with strategic and contingency planning for your business. Uh, we are continuing in our series here focused on COVID-19 and providing resources that you can use right now. Today, we're going to focus on how to ensure your business is, in fact, recession proof. I'm sure you've seen many businesses turning to online events um, and figuring out how they can utilize uh, social distancing and kind of continue to grow their businesses. To help us begin the conversation is Ms. Deanie Dormer. Deanie loves working with businesses to plan events that target company objectives. She is the owner and event manager of Executive Events, a corporate and business event company that focuses on the return on one's investment and works with businesses to create unforgettable events that promote the company's presence and helps to build client relationships. Executive Events provides a full suite of integrated services to plan, market, and manage your business events. Deanie believes that hosting an event is a great opportunity for businesses to gain exposure and encourage new customers to personally connect with the brand. However, Deanie realizes that the key to hosting a successful event is to pinpoint the reason behind the event and then identify a measurable goal that will guide the actions taken to accomplish that goal. Deanie Dormer has managed and coordinated business events for companies such as the Virginian Pilot, Inside Business, Tidewater Parent, PilotOnline.com, The Flagship, targeted publications and media, pilot media, and many others. Award-winning events with inside business include annual affairs, such as the Top 40 Under 40, Women in Business, Entrepreneurial Excellence, Heroes at Home, Healthcare Heroes, Darden Awards, The Roaring 20, and more. She's worked on industry trade shows, such as the Children's Hospital, the King's Daughters, Baby Fair, and targeted publications, Stylicious, a show for women, and the ultimate show for women events. She's done city product launches for the Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper, The Virginian Pilot, and other engaging events such as the Echo Conference, Media Fest, Social Media Marketing Seminar Series, the wildly popular Cox Executive Discussion Series Breakfast, and the Global Business Conference. Welcome, welcome, Miss Dini. How are you? Hey, Blair. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Such a super impressive bio. Uh, we are delighted to have you today. I want to thank you for your time and thank you um, for helping business owners that are listening to the show today to pivot. We're excited. What are you seeing, before we get into uh, the interview, what are you seeing out here in the market in terms of events? What, what, is, what are business owners saying? Well, I mean, it's it's a tough time, right? We're we're dealing with uh, a situation that we haven't been able that we haven't dealt with before, and so I think the big thing that business owners are doing right now is just trying to figure out what's the new normal, what do we need to be doing out there, that sort of thing. And I know that 
Um, a lot of people want to take like the matrix blue pill and just wait for all this to be over. But what we need to be doing right now is engaging, engaging, engaging with our clients, our prospects, our leads. This is not the time to kind of sit down, sleep, um, wait for things to return back to normal because yeah. there is no normal. We're going to have to make up what our new normal is. And so what I want to encourage business owners to do during this time is to continue to engage with their prospects, their leads, and their current clients. Um, make sure that they're hearing what you're doing to pivot during this time and just keep abreast with, with what your clients are doing as well and how you can continue to help them so that they can come out successful on the other end of this. Yes, I think that's spot on. So yeah. turning our, our focus then to events, I mean, I can just think about how it is that the culture has shifted in terms of in terms of events. I mean, I don't remember it being uh, this way, say, 10 years ago. I think Facebook and other platforms, Eventbrite, um, have really aided in the proliferation of this event culture. So I'm excited to hear from you today about what business owners can do, uh, what would you say is the first most important factor um, to determine when considering whether or not to host an event? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a great question. And that kind of like brings me, first of all, to the reason why I started Executive Events. So I've seen a lot of businesses, a lot of companies that are just putting on events just to put them on without a real plan. And I believe that events can be and should be a part of your business plan. There's a lot of avenues, places we can advertise on. So you have radio, you TV, billboards, all this sort of stuff, right? I believe that events are another way to promote your business and get right and directly in front of your customers. So I think the number one, number one thing that you need to determine when considering hosting an event is what's your goal, right? What's that overall thing that you that you want to accomplish with your event? So just like if you were to do a an advertising spot somewhere, you're going to want to track that to see if the, the money that you're putting out investing in that advertising medium is going to give you a return on investment. And events should be the exact same way. So what are the big goals that you want to accomplish with your events? And what are the metrics that you're going to put in place in order to make sure that that event is successful? So it could be something like selling your product. It could be um, building brand awareness, those sorts of things. Sure. So what's that overall goal? But then what's that metric? So if it's building brand awareness, like what is that, right? So how do you track brand awareness? So look at those metrics such as increasing your event registration or increasing your social media presence. So say that's your objective. Your ROI, those metrics that you're going to track is what are you doing on your social media? How many social media impressions are you getting? How many of those registrations are you getting to your event if you want to increase that event registration? So the big thing is getting your goal and then figuring out those metrics that help you be able to track that ultimate, ultimate goal of why you're putting on an event in the first place. Makes sense. Makes sense. So how then do I decide if I should turn my live event into a virtual event? Yeah, so that depends on the reason and the strategy for your event. So what we do at Executive Events, we work with businesses to figure out what that overall objective is. What is that strategy that you need to put in place? So 
now that you're looking, say you have a live event that you're that you're doing that you've done in the past, and you're trying to do that again. And during these times, you want to see is it able to go virtual. So, what is the reason behind that event? Will your attendees still be able to attend online? Um, so, outline what happens at your live events and decide what elements are still most important. And then look at that outcome that you want. Is it networking? Is it education? Um, Pinpointing who your attendees are, so getting extremely clear about your ideal customer is extremely important. And then pivot to make sure that whatever they need or whatever they are wanting from you is that's what they're getting from your live event or your virtual event. Um, some events are really well that can turn virtual. Um, others, you may want to kind of like pivot in a different way in order to make sure that that event can still reach your audience. So it just depends on that overall goal that you have and how you want to engage your audience. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So then um, if I do decide I want to turn this live event into a virtual event, figure out, it, you know, it makes sense to do, how can I make sure that my event is engaging? Yeah, so I think that goes back to determining your audience, right? What does that audience want? What are they coming for? Are they coming for fun and entertainment? Or are they coming for networking and learning and things like that? So sure. going back to determining that audience, determining your ideal customer, that person that's going to buy your product or, or participate in your service, that sort of thing. Um, there's so many different events out there. You want to make sure that yours is very clear in your messaging, in what the attendees are going to get from you. Um, so once you know your audience and you know what exactly they want, then you can go and make it engaging for them. So think about if you're doing a conference, um, you still want your, you can do your breakout sessions, you can have chat rooms. And if I know that I'm gonna come to an event where it has uh, a networking option for me and I'm gonna get paired in a room where people that are my ideal client is going to be, then I'm definitely gonna be on that event. I'm definitely gonna be on that Zoom call or that you know go-to meeting type of webinar sort of thing. Um, so it's making sure that you're clear on your messaging and making sure that your audience knows what they are there to get, right? So what's in it for them? Being extremely clear on that and making it engaging for them. Yeah. I've been uh, kind of keeping abreast of the different kinds of Zoom events that are taking place. I've seen everything from happy hours to sing-a-thons and um, mm -hmm. some of the screenshots, you know, with the faces and people are maybe dressed alike or they're all wearing the same accessory um, or, or whatever it is, you know, some some really cool ways to, to make sure people feel like, you know, that there's value there and that there's still that level of social interaction. I think that's that's so cool. What, what are you yeah, seeing? Yeah. What are you seeing that businesses are doing um, to, to pivot during this time? Yeah, I think that this virtual event stuff is a great example of pivoting, right? So yeah. you have a live event, but you don't want to miss that revenue that you got from your live event before. So you still want to do something. You still want to engage your audience. So having those virtual events, possibly turning um, information from your past events into some sort of downloadable product that you can sell. Um, we've seen fun events like scavenger hunts and things like that that engage children. 
um, just to keep in front of that ideal client. We have a big, um, a big company that we, are, we were doing some serious seminars and things like that, and now we're switching to virtual and doing some more fun type things just to stay engaging with those customers and staying top of mind. So we've seen so many great examples, and I think it's about being creative um, and, and still engaging with, with your audience. Um, so there's so many different things. There's, you know, you have those scavenger hunts, you have happy hours. Um, for an example, for people that don't have these big live events of like three, 600 people and things like that, we've done even smaller events like, um, like happy hours. So say you have a contract, say you ask someone to sign a contract and they are kind of like in that limbo land. They don't say yes, they haven't said no. Mm. Um, we've got small happy hour events where we invite those people back, just those that group, you know, that's still on the fence to come in and get to know, trust, and like you a little bit more. And then we'll work on the back end to set up appointments for those people with the business owner so that they can come back in and possibly close that deal. So you don't have to be having these big, massive conferences to be in front of your ideal customer. It's about singling out who that ideal customer is and then creating something specifically for them and making it fun and engaging. It doesn't have to be serious all the time. It's getting you in front of your ideal customer. So getting those eyeballs on your business and on your brand. Yeah, I feel like some of this is going to be a little repetitive, but I I still feel like it it may bear repeating for those that are perhaps considering this information for the first time, right? Because sometimes we just put on an event for the sake of putting on an event. Uh, We may have a goal, but we may not understand the metrics, or we may not have a relationship with an event manager that can help to pull these things out of us. So say again, how, how is it that I would go about following up with attendees like what should that look like so let's figure out your goal let's look back at that overall strategy right so what is your ultimate ultimate goal everything everything stems back to what is the big goal of your event and then we can talk about what that follow-up strategy looks like but at minimum lead capture making sure that you're having that you have the contact information of all your attendees i think is imperative um and that's on the front end so when we're thinking of that back end how to follow up and things like that we have to make sure that we're putting things in place on the front end before we even start our event to make sure we have that information in order to follow up with with our attendees so getting those registrations, knowing who's going to be on your call or your Zoom event or even at your actual live event, yeah. um, figuring out what those people want and what they are coming to you for, what you're an expert in. Sure. Um, and then the follow-up is a little bit easier because now we can tell them specifically what that call to action is because we've already determined that in the beginning with our goal. So we want to get X number of registrations for our event because we're trying to turn these people into customers. So now on the back end, we know that we're going to have to send out a survey email or we're going to have to make a phone call and follow up. Um, We work with sales departments all the time to say, okay, after this event, we have 24 to 36 hours, depending on the event, to follow up and make appointments with these attendees. So if you're trying to close sales, you may not close the sale directly at your event, 
but your follow-up plan is to close that sale. So making sure that that information is clear and given to your attendees during the event and then following up with things. And in this virtual world now, you can follow up with fun things. You can have your PDFs, you can have different information, you can have polls, um, you can make it fun and engaging. But knowing what you want to get out of it is imperative. So what is that call to action at the end of your event? So you may want to follow up with phone calls, you may want to follow up with an email, you may want to follow up with some sort of package. You may want to follow up with an interview for that person if you're if it's something like a career fair, things like that. So figuring out and being extremely clear on that goal um, will help you with knowing what type of follow-up strategy you need to implement in order to hit those business objectives. Huge. So, gosh, this last question. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I want to ask it, but then I still want to make sure that we have plenty of time for uh, for you to state how it is that people that may be listening can get in contact with you. Right. So let's let's do two things in three minutes. First, how do I set up my event for success? Right. And then second, if I want you to help me with that, how can I reach you? We've got two minutes. Okay, absolutely. Maybe they're the same Uh, question, really, right? (laughs) Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I would say get an an event strategist on your team. That's how you can set it up for success. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think it's sitting down. I think it's the things that I talked about before. It's sitting down and figuring out what you're trying to accomplish. Don't just put on an event just to put on an event because you're going to have to spend some money potentially um, to get those clients to you. So you want to make sure that you're getting a return on your investment and a return on your objective, that overall goal. So what does that look like? That's how you set it up for success. What are the things that you want to happen at the end of your event that you can say, yes, this event was successful? And it's not just the popularity game, right, where, oh, I have all these people coming in and now I feel good because we got X number of people to my event, right? We have to look. Are they the right people that you're inviting? Are you clear on your messaging? What do people get when they come to your event or when they log on to your Zoom call? What are they getting? Be extremely clear with your messaging. There should be no gray area there. Before people attend your event, they should know what they're gonna walk away with. And then you need to be clear with your call to action. What do you want everyone to do? Right? What is that call to action? We don't want to you know, mess up any money or, or waste anything, right? So we want to make sure that we're marketing to the right people. I always say you can sell to everybody, but you can't market to everybody. So being very, very clear on who you're marketing to and being clear about your call to action and uh, what you want as far as a return for your actual event. Yeah. That's, um, and then, that's so we've got probably 30 seconds. <laughs> so um, you can look up executive events at assistmyevent.com. You can also call me at 757-553-4738. Again, the website is assistmyevent.com, A-S-S-I-S-T-M-Y-E-V-E-N-T.com. We do consulting as well. So if you're just thinking about an event, we can help you create a strategy from that for that and we can also manage the event for you as well. So we do all of those assistmyevent.com and 757-553-4738 is the number to reach Dini Dormer. Dini, this has been fantastic. We're going to have to have you back. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would love to come back anytime. I feel like any of these questions we could break down into much more content um, for, for folks that might be interested. So I would definitely look forward to that. Let's get it scheduled. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Dini. I look forward to talking with you soon. And we'll be back in just a moment with hashtag money talk. Excellence is being able to perform at a high level for a long period of time. The next level success is just a step away. Stay tuned. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after a word from our underwriting sponsors. Hey, this is Seiko, DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals. And I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. That's www.positivevibes.net. We've been performing for over 25 years, and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. Peace and prosperity. And now, more Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome, welcome back to this 82nd edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Here to help us further the conversation about how to recession-proof our businesses is Mr. Randy Williams. He is the owner and uh, the founder of Tally & Twine, a watch company that designs and manufactures detailed luxury timepieces and accessories. Tally & Twine was founded on two principles, legacy and lifestyle. When developing his company, Randy's goal was to set the standard for future generations look good doing it. Created with a person of style in mind, Tally & Twine satisfies a need in the marketplace for quality, aesthetically pleasing watches that resist the status quo. Welcome, welcome back, Randy. How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. It's always, always a privilege, always a pleasure. Uh, we know that you have figured something out in terms of this piece about recession-proofing our businesses. So help us. Where, where would you start? Um, I, w- I would say that, you know, business, first of all, is just so unpredictable. You know, nobody could have predicted that we would be able to fly, that we would be able to open our businesses. Uh, so some things you just can't prepare for. Uh, but the biggest thing you can do, I think, is just look at uh, where the economy is headed, not where it is now. Not where you want it to be, but what the data and the information is telling you it's heading and try to be there. Um, oftentimes we try to get businesses to that are present and that are hot right now, but we should be looking five, ten years down the line to see, okay, will my business model still apply there? Mm, interesting. So, ignore what we see right in front of us. Focus more so on the future. Mm-hmm. And in thinking about how long it takes to build a business, you know, it takes three or five years to really get your footing in a business before it's even considered established. Because most, most businesses don't make it past that point. So it really makes no sense to try to build a business where the product is only hot for the next year or two. Right. 
Interesting. A lot of talk of this uh, new normal. What say you? What what will be the new normal? So looking out, I don't know, six, 12 months from now, uh, what's, how are you forecasting? Well, just from looking at what's going on right now, I'm thinking that people are going to want to connect in a different type of way. The thing that will never change is that we are always human. And the human element within us wants to connect. So since we can't do that in person like we once did or that's a little bit uncertain, I think people are still going to want to find ways to connect and to make things like, you know, a Zoom call or a telephone call or a group message more personal. Um, So I think that not only on a personal level but also businesses can look at technology and try to implement that in a way that makes people feel more connected even though I might not physically be there. And I think ultimately this is just shrinking the world down even more than it has already been shrank. Like the internet shrank us down and gave us access to the entire world and I think it's going to continue to do that. So I think you're going to see businesses become more global in their focus, more global in their employees. We're going to have employees all, all over, not only the nation, but the world. Um, like, for example, you know, we just bought on two new hires at Talent Twine, and they're both in Georgia, and we're located in Virginia. Wow. You know, so I think communication is going to remain the same, and those platforms or those systems that allow people that will facilitate that communication, I think they're going to do the best. Interesting. I'm excited. Um, We have an event coming up later in the month, the surge event, uh, the Tuesday uh, small business intensive, I believe, of the year. Um, And that's mostly because you are going to be uh, providing content. So what I'd like to do, if we could, is kind of break down what it is that you're going to share sort of in each phase um, of that particular talk. I know we're going to start out talking about validating our business ideas. Um, And so I'd like to hopefully address that from two uh, vantage points. If we could kind of look at those that maybe are already in business um, and then those that are, um, you know, still at that ideation stage. Um, What what are you going to share on the 22nd and 23rd of the month? Uh, Well, the beautiful thing is, is that anybody hearing anything from me and any lessons that I've learned that I try to pass along, it's not rocket science. You know, I'm no genius when it comes to stuff. I actually don't like things to be complicated. I try to simplify them as much as possible into bite-sized portions so that I can understand. So when people like complex stuff, it's probably not the event. It's in the one. If you want. Nah, nah, it's ain't it. But if you want, because... Let me just put a pin in that. I've been to, I've spent thousands of dollars going to conferences and stuff like that. And typically, you walk away from the conference with all these notes, all these worksheets, all these ideas, but you don't actually know what to do with it. And it becomes overwhelming. You tell yourself, I'm gonna look at that, I'm gonna look at my notes next week and before you know it, two, three, four months have gone by. And you've never got started on it because you don't have an actual process. So as far as what we're doing is concerned, I want to make sure that everybody leaves with an actual process that they can implement 
um, because I believe that the simpler things are, the easier they are to take action on. Sure. So everything that we're going to talk about is going to be very, very extremely practical, but also very uh, beneficial to your business. And these are tried and true things that I have done in my business uh, to help us to grow over the last five years. Awesome. So we're talking... And so we're talking about... Go ahead. No, just that... um, that ideation piece um, and really validating our business idea. I think this is a huge issue, particularly in our community, right? We have a a passion about something, be it cupcakes or whatever it is, and no disrespect because I'm a huge fan of cupcakes. I don't think we can have too many cupcakeries. But how do we determine if the market is asking for the thing that we love. And if it's not, can we still start a business? What say you? Yeah. I always say, yeah, you can still start a business. How do you determine that the market is looking for it? It's it's actually pretty simple. You know, you determine if there's a problem that's big enough or a desire that's big enough in the customer's mind for your product or service to be applicable to them. Say that in their mind. People in the back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You got to determine if your product or service in the mind of the customer is important enough for them to spend money with you. That's the most important thing. There's two different types of support. And I think a lot of times with our community, the way we get led astray is, you know, you announce that you're having, opening a business, starting a business, you get all this love and support, uh, but it's just uh, moral support. <laughs> if that moral support doesn't turn into monetary support, then things will kind of fizzle out. And, and what I mean by that is that the number one way to validate businesses is 2020. And this is what I always tell people uh, that ask me about this, if their business is working, is how many of your customers don't know you? That will help you determine if you're getting sympathy, support, or if you have actual customers. You know, if only your family members are shopping with you and people that you know, then you haven't validated your business yet. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that you can't continue to grow if you've already maxed out on everybody that you already know. So try to sell to people who, who don't know you. But as far as the ideation part of it is, it goes is there's just simple questions that you can ask to see if your business model is on point for where the economy is going. So, for example, uh, if you are read, we're in the information age. If you're reading headlines that say Macy's and Colton stores, Lord and Taylor. All of the established 50 to 100-year-old retailers have gone out of business. It's probably not in your best interest to open up a brick-and-mortar store. Yeah, and yeah, I bet you get that question all the time, too. Are you going to open a store for Italian twine? And you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Why would I do that? Right? I get that all the time. But keep in mind, now, five years ago, people were asking me that, and I was saying no because... That's not where I want it to be. It just, again, I'm, I'm simple. I look at the data. In my mind, online, I cut my overhead by 80%, and also I can sell to the world. 
every day. And also, my store never closes. I can take orders 24 hours a day. To me, that's just the best, <laughs> the best way of selling a product. Absolutely. You know, if I do open any sort of physical location, it will be supplemental to my online business. Got it. Because I noticed that me as a shopper, I was getting more comfortable buying online. And I noticed that from reading the trends that people were getting more comfortable buying online every year. That percentage of people who shopped in the malls versus the people who shop online continued to grow. And I was always taught to be where the puck is going, not where it is. So try to predict where things are going to be five or ten years from now, like I said, as opposed to what's happening right now. Yeah. Huge. Okay. You were saying, let me see how much time we have in this segment. Oh, yeah, we still got some time. You were saying there's some simple questions that you can ask um, when it comes to, to validating that business idea. Are we going to give us a couple of those now, or do we have to wait for the event? <laughs> no, no, no. We, we can get a couple of them. Okay. Um, so, number one is who are your competitors? So people always hear this question and they think two erroneous uh, ways of thinking are this. Number one, I shouldn't have any competitors. Mm. That's false. Or number two, um, because my competitors are doing A, I need to do B. And the truth is, it depends. All right? So, if you have competitors, that means that you have a product or service that people actually want. Yeah. All right? Now, what you have to determine, and this is where I see a lot of businesses break down, they don't know how to differentiate themselves. So let's take Italian Twine, for example. As a consumer, I was frustrated because I was buying watches that were cheap, they were break within a year's time, and I knew it when I bought it that it wasn't going to they weren't going to last. I just wanted something fashionable on my wrist for the time being. Sure. All right? And then the watches that I wanted were $5,000 and up. So my light bulb started going off and asking questions like, why isn't there anything in between that will be a quality, lasting watch that somebody like me who goes to work every day uh, doesn't make enough uh a crazy amount of money. I'm not a millionaire, but I want a nice watch on my wrist. Why isn't there anything like that that exists? So I, I went to the market and started to see what the competitors were doing in that price range. And I felt that I could add value in terms of design and also in terms of the marketing. Um, the second piece of that is nobody, none of those competitors were speaking to a customer that looked like me. So even though we were buying those products, there was nobody addressing anybody from my community in any sort of way. All the ads were exactly the same and the people who were in the ads looked exactly the same as well. So I thought that represented an opportunity. And, you know, that's how I got started on the whole process of starting Italian Twine. Really quickly, for the benefit of those that may have just tuned in, uh, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, and we are 
having a fascinating conversation with Randy Williams, uh, the founder of Tally and Twine Watch Company. We're talking about how it is we ensure that our businesses are recession proof. And so Randy is giving us some nuggets here. Uh, he owns and operates a seven-figure brand. So the question we're, we're delving into at the moment is, what are some questions, some simple questions that we can ask um, when we are looking to validate our business ideas. So the first one you gave us is, who are my competitors? And so it shouldn't be the case that we don't have any because in that way, um, we don't have a, a, a product or service that anyone wants. Um, and then in terms of um, doing what it is our competitors are doing, it kind of depends, depends on what that product or service is. What, if, what was the second question? This one. This one is kind of controversial. Okay. Right. I like it. Um, but <laughs> one of my early mentors said this to me a, a long time ago, and it really stuck with me. He said, don't just build a business, build a big business. I have heard that. I have heard that. All right. Okay. Now, at the time. Why is that, why is that controversial? Well, because a lot of people don't want to build a big business. You know, when I say it, people are like, well, I'm fine having a small business that makes $100,000 a year. You know, um, and the reason he said that, though, to elaborate, is that your business should at least have the opportunity to be big. Sure. Right? A lot of people are operating their businesses in such a way that you're going to max out on your personal effort that you're able to put into the business, right. and that's going to be the cap on your growth. Right. So a lot of businesses are, are small, not because their product is inferior, but because they've maxed out on what they can do with it. You know, there's only so much product that you can make in your kitchen before you have to take another step. Right, you know, right. And graduate into being that. And then also, true financial freedom not only for yourself, but for others, comes to a large business. That doesn't mean you have to have 100 employees. It just means that you have to determine, okay, if I did a conservative estimate on my business plan, how much revenue could we bring in? Mm -hmm. And looking at that number, that figure, are you comfortable with that amount? Mm -hmm. You know, um, some business models, you're only going to make a few hundred dollars a month. You know, and you got to ask yourself, is it worth that effort? Business is extremely hard. The so, one question I kind of hear yeah. uh, in, in what you're saying is that um, the amount of time that it takes to build a business um, could be the same whether we're building a small business or a large business. So we want to build a business that at least has the capacity for for growth. So we want to lay that foundation, right, in such a way that this could actually grow. I think that's what I'm... I love that word, compassion, compassion. Yeah. Perfect word. That's exactly what I was looking for. Wow, that's tough. You know, I um, was reading a statistic that is very closely aligned with another statistic that I kind of regurgitate often, and it said that 95% of, um, let me make sure I get it right. So 95% of the the dollars that have 
you know, in terms of PPP and EIDL and all of that, have gone to businesses that don't look like us, that aren't represented by faces that look like ours, right? Well, it makes sense because 96% of our companies don't employ anyone, right? We have not built companies with capacity. Um, and so I like that you are suggesting that controversial thing, you know, of building a big business. I think it's, I think it's paramount. If we're, if we're really going to participate in terms of economic development, we've got to build larger businesses. Okay, so that's two. What you got for three? Can we get three today? <laughs> All right, let's see. <laughs> We got um, four minutes to break, so up to you. We're talking, we're talking validation, right? We're talking validation, yes. Okay, so let's skip ahead a little bit. All right. There are so many, like, quick and easy ways to validate whether your product or service is good. There's nothing more telling than making a sale. Right. All right, and often so I've seen people spend a year or two to landing a business without even thinking about how they're going to sell their product or service. So, some of the ways you can do that is call, text, email 10 people that you know who are in the market, who are in the target market for your product or service and just have a conversation. So, you have a conversation with them. You say, I'm thinking about starting uh, a clothing company uh, for tall, skinny guys because our pants don't fit right. And I wanted to ask you, because you're in my target market. Right. <laughs> you know, what are some of your frustrations when you go buy clothes? You know what I'm saying? How do you make your purchase decision? How do you decide whether, it's some, whether or not something is something you should buy? How much would you pay for a pair of pants made from X, Y, and Z? And you collect all this data for free, right? And you use that and put that into your business model. Now, at the at the so some people call, were like kind of developing a, a focus group or sending out some surveys. But I like how you broke it down. No, just call people that you know that would be in the market for the thing, and and then ask them what would be yeah, their I mean, criteria. Yeah. When you, it is a focus group, and you people make it seem more complicated than it really is. Yeah. Really is people in the target market. And because we have access to all these people, you can get 10 people on the phone within a week and ask these questions. And then at the end of that call, you say, you know what, Randy, thank you for your time. Now, if I did develop something that fit the way you wanted it, it was in your price point, and um, I created that myself, would you possibly be willing to buy that from You know, and, and just ask for the sale. You could even go a step further, like I did, and ask for a pre-order on that item. So with Italian Swan, when we launched, I only had samples. Uh, but we launched because about 100 people pre-ordered a watch from me based on the specifications and based on the fact that they believed that the product was going to be great when they received it. We've got to go to a break, but when we come back, I would love it. So I didn't even mention that we are also live on Facebook, right? So if you want to see Randy, you can go to the Black Brand page on Facebook if you're listening on the radio, right? Um, I would love it if you showed us the, the first watch. I'm sure you got an image somewhere, the first one, the one that the 250 pre-orders. 
right, we're going to come back. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. We'll have more with Randy Williams, the founder of Tally and Twine. The biggest financial asset that you have going for you by miles is the value of your own earning power over the years. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. More important business insights are on the way. Stay locked in. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after these messages. When the conversation is good and the friends are even better, you'll find a wine that brings it all together. Shoe Crazy Wine. Remember that name, Shoe Crazy Wine. Available at Costco, Kroger, and these other fine retailers. We know you love jazz music, so let's try some jazz music with a little R&B flavor. Jazz music with a little trap flavor. Jazz and Caribbean. Hey, we mix it up. So, online, look for Grandpa Crunk and enjoy the great jazz music. Grandpa Crunk. Jazz music. More Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back. It's the 82nd edition of Black Wall Street Today. We are finalizing uh, this segment with Randy Williams, the founder of Cali and Twine Watch Company. Uh, gave us some tremendous nuggets in terms of validating our business ideas. Uh, I want to talk in the few minutes that we have left about some of the platforms that you've used. So after you talked to 10, 15 people um, and, and got that information and plugged it into your business plan, you did something really cool. You took the idea to Kickstarter. Um, advise everyone what Kickstarter is and how it works. Well, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform uh, for creators. Um, typically, the product has not been released to the public yet. They are in developmental stages. And so uh, you have what's called, what are called backers who will pre-order your item um, and then allow you time to actually produce the item and deliver it to you. Interesting. And how did that go? So it's a cool way for a lot of startup businesses to get the funding that they need, you know, without asking for donations because people actually get a product in return. Mm, okay. So how'd it go for you? We went well. We raised about $25,000 on our Kickstarter campaign. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but, you know, by the grace of God, you know, we were, <laughs> we were able to, you know, successfully fund our first shipment. You know, so we didn't have to take out a loan or or anything like that. You know, it was all funded through the actual product. Congrats. That was huge, particularly if it's true that you really didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so then what? I mean, we've got three minutes. I know a big part of your success has been really understanding um, funnels, right? I know you, you leverage social media, email marketing. Um, what would you say about utilizing those platforms? I would say that, you know, this is the best time in history start a business and some of those barriers to entry that were previously uh, 
insurmountable to our community have been lowered. You know, so the internet is a great equalizer. And because we have access to people, we have access to data, we can now eliminate all the gatekeepers and sell directly to our consumers. So that's why I chose to focus on online only. So I don't have to get over the hump of buying a building. I didn't have to get over the hump of when I'm starting out uh, advertising on television and spending thousands of dollars that I don't have and hope that somebody sees my ad. And so now the internet gives us a really, really targeted approach, which is affordable for the everyday person. You know, some people only spend five, ten dollars a day on ads, and you can reach the people that you want to reach. So that's what makes it so great. I mean, you just like busting the head too, like wow. <laughs> In a huge industry out here dominating, I'm super proud of you that you figured that out, right? Um, and like you said, you moved on it in a, in, a, in a timely fashion and have been able to have awesome success. So we've got a minute left. Um, what can folks expect that are interested in uh, participating in Surge? It's going to be on. Well, so, you know, how is it still going to be lit? <laughs> I mean, you know, having a profitable business is lit. You know, so... You're going to learn, like, I'm going to tell you all the mistakes that I made along the way so that you don't have to make them. And it's a step-by-step approach to building and growing your business. You know, uh, it's going to be an aha moment for you. But there are jewels in each session that I teach that are going to be worth your time and energy on that day. Uh, I, I can't really tell it other than that is to say that, you know, make sure the people that you're learning from are actually doing it right now and have results that they can show you. If right, not, I'll do it. I like you might be learning from the wrong person. Yeah. No, that's huge because we're taught, you know, in the traditional sense to, uh, you know, procure education from these institutions that may not be connected to, you know, actual business right now, today. Um, so I think there's a lot of value there. Uh, so I appreciate what you're going to share. Okay. We are totally out I'm of on Black Wall Street today, not Black Wall Street yesterday. <laughs> right. Black Wall Street today. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, again, uh, Randy, this has been a delight. I certainly look forward to having you back on the show. But sooner than that, um, we'll be on Zoom live during the surge event. You can get tickets. Uh, via Eventbrite. Uh, we get a t-shirt. We'll be dressed alike on Zoom. It's going to be dope. I'm excited. Um, and I, I definitely want to thank our sponsors, uh, Milestone Mental Health Agency, as well as the COO team, uh, Apex Financial Group, for all of your support. Um, shout out to Deanie Dormer, uh, who was live with us at the top of the event. Uh, for anyone that needs some assistance with uh, getting their event online. It's assistmyevent.com. Again, uh, assistmyevent.com. Deanie Dormer, 757-553-4738. And thank you so much to Randy Williams of Talion Twine. Uh, we will look forward to talking next week. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. 
I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Phenomenal. Hey, yo, when I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black Wall Street. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black. When I say black, you say Wall Street. Black, black.
get it, girl, you made me say, 